Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a friend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Friends, we are in our third episode of a four-episode series all about the Unreached People groups. Today on the show, my friend Andy Campman joins me, who works at my church, The Austin Stone. Also, him and his wife run an organization called Launch Global, where they really help mobilize uh, people in churches and in the local church to the nations. They've been doing that for 16 years. This series is so important to me, and I could not have this conversation without actually talking to one of the people who has shaped my view on the nations through my local church and our church, the Austin Stone Community Church, has sent out hundreds of goers over the past couple of years, and Andy actually goes into that. What I really hope from this conversation is that you'll see that there is a place for all of us in this mission and that it matters. Andy and his wife, Jamie, have a family. They have four kids, and they also take them and travel the nation with their kids as well. Guys, on today's show, Andy talks about a lot of websites that can help us out. We're going to put all of those in the show notes. You'll have access to all of those. If you have any questions, I want you just to go to the show notes and look that up. If you don't subscribe to our newsletter, it's a great way to do that. Go to jamieivy.com newsletter. And when you sign up there for our newsletter, you make sure that you get the show notes in your email inbox every single week. We send two emails a week. We send an email with every show. We want you to have access to what we're talking about, especially if they're giving us so many great links like we have on today's show. All right, my friends, here's my conversation with Andy Campman. Andy, welcome to the happy hour. Thanks so much for having me. This is fun because um, we live in the same city. And, and you know what's a big bummer is that we're on the internet. I know. It's terrible, isn't it? It is what it is. It is what it I was, is. I was this close to trying to rearrange my schedule just so we could do it in person. Um, I know. You know, so. It's it's funny because pre-COVID, I did all interviews in person, like only in person. And then COVID hit and everyone's like, oh, the internet's a great way to do interviews. And so right. I appreciate the internet for interviews as well. But welcome to the happy hour. Introduce yourself to my listener. Uh, yeah, my name is Andy Campman. Uh, like Jamie said, I'm right here uh, with my wife in Austin, Texas. Uh, we've been here for 12 years, um, uh, a part of the same church uh, as the Ivies, the Austin Stone. And uh, we have four kids, uh, a same similar stage of life to the Ivies as well, trying to figure out how to do it with teenagers. And so we have two, we have twins that are 16, a boy and a girl, uh, Josiah and Abigail, and then Anna is 14, and then Jamin uh, is 11. So fun. And yeah. um, Ivy's are big fans of the Campmans over here. So I'm glad you're here. Andy, all the listeners know that we are smack dab in the middle of a four-part series on Unreached People Groups. And I'll just remind everyone again, if you haven't listened to the shows last week, go back. David Platt, Stephen Morales, both of them last week, they both worked for Radical. Uh, David does a really great job of breaking down what is Unreached People Group? What does that actually mean? Um, Stephen is using the arts to let people know about it. And so today I'm here with you. And then on Friday, we have another show with uh, my friend Jess. So it's been a really great series. And I'm really excited to talk to you about uh, this for a couple of reasons, Andy, because your family, if I were to think like, who loves the nations? The Campmans love the nations. And it is evident in your life. And so I think I want to start here. Let's start here. When did God... When did this awakening awareness of the nations come uh, into your life and Jamie's, your wife Jamie's life? 
Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, ironically, uh, before we started dating, uh, we both went to a college conference and didn't, we knew each other. Uh, and Jamie, long story short, uh, after that conference ended up going to Japan. Um, and, and guess who supported her on her You support- did. I did. I had a little plaque with uh, Jamie Geiger was her maiden name. And so I prayed for her every day during the summer. And little did I know that this would be the this incredible woman that I got to spend the rest of my life with. So that's how it started for my wife. For me, uh, uh, just a, a year before that in college, when, uh, right after my junior year, uh, uh, the campus ministry that I was a part of said, who wants to go to Lithuania? And I was like, man, I don't know where that is. I don't know how to spell it. Sounds like it's outside the U.S. You know, um, I, I'll go there. And so went there. And then, Jamie, this was a really uh, there's kind of two moments that really captured our hearts for the nations. This trip to Lithuania. I'm a uh, you know junior in college. And one of the gals that I was with, we were looking down in this beautiful or not. It wasn't beautiful. Sorry. There's a beautiful baby in a very gray plaza. So mm-hmm. it's right by uh, Estonia, Latvia, north of Poland there, post-communism. Uh, and I said, oh, look at that little baby. I was just making conversation, you know, and this baby yeah. stuck out because everything was so gray and drab. And my prophetic friend, Julie, uh, uh, who is standing beside her now husband, said, Andy, it would be better if we went down there and killed that baby than for that little baby to grow up in a country where they'll never hear about Jesus. And, and that, that's this stake in the ground moment for me where, you know, you learn, you hear about like the peoples of the world or, you know, kids and you people usually pick Africa and it's just kind of uh, ethereal, doesn't mean a whole lot. And then all of a sudden it was very, very real to me. And um, I was like, man, this is what my, I think this is what God wants my life to be about. Mm-hmm. And so we started to, um, t- you know, take more trips. Uh, Jamie and I uh, got married. The other moment that was such a big one for us was there's this guy named Todd Aaron, and he is uh, hilarious. I'm actually, his website's at the bottom of this, this um, podcast. Uh, he runs some, helps run something called The Traveling Team. And he unpacked from Genesis to Revelation, God's heart for all the peoples to follow him. I, I can remember it was a Tuesday night about uh, 18 years ago. We call it the day of discovery because it's really the day that God like opened our eyes to these unreached peoples, these peoples that don't have access to the gospel. And we're like, we, uh, uh, no offense to Mexico and mm-hmm. our side of the country, but we got to go to these folks that have almost no access to the gospel. So those are a few moments from our, from our stories. That. That um, woman standing next to you saying that at the baby, I mean, that is like kind of like shocking to hear, you know, it almost is like, wait, wait, what? Yeah. And she just meant that that child has no hope of ever hearing about Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why we had gone there. And all of a sudden it's like the pennies, you know, started to drop. All of a sudden the puzzle started to become like fit together. And I was like, wow, this is our lives no matter where we live, you know, I'm, I'm just like you, I'm mm-hmm. living here in Austin, Texas, but these are the things we're giving our lives to. Mm-hmm. And I think that's hopefully one of the things that will happen from this whole series that you're doing is that people will say, this is not about missions people, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, this is about being Bible people. This is about being Jesus people. And the things that Jesus loves are the things that we love. Mm-hmm. And I think over the years, what's become clear as we've studied the Bible is that, you know, it's like my wife and I, when we met, um, she said, Hey, 
this is like on our third or fourth date. She's like, Andy, if, if things are going to move forward, I want you to know there's um, going to be brown people in our family. Uh-huh. And uh, she's white. I'm white. And I'm like, oh, okay. Um, I mean, and she's like, or we got to go in different directions. Mm-hmm. And what I realized over time is I can't love her without realizing the things that she loves. Mm-hmm. And if I was going to love her, then I needed to love the things that she loved. And it's the same thing with God and the nations. You mm-hmm. can't say, I love Jesus and not be passionate about seeing him worshiped by all the peoples of the earth. It's just, mm-hmm. it's really not an option. And if, and if you are doing that, then you're missing out on a massive part of his heart. And, mm-hmm. and like today, I can't imagine my life without Bubba, you know, mm-hmm. our 11 year old. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does have the best hair in our family and, uh, you know, by far. And I'm so grateful uh, yeah. that I get to love the things that she loves. Yeah. yeah. You know, you, it's funny that you mentioned this. I hadn't put all this together. When I was thinking about this series, I desperately wanted to to interview um, somebody who had met Jesus in an unreached people group. That's desperately what mm-hmm. I wanted. And it just, the car, it didn't happen. I couldn't get it all worked out, but that's desperately what I wanted. But the way God worked this out is all four of the people that I have interviewed live in the States. And all four of them are, well, besides Stephen, he's a Guatemalan. All four of the people that I interviewed are passionate and are giving their lives away for unreached people groups. And for me, it's this idea of wanting people to see, like you just mentioned, like it matters to all of us no matter where we live. But something else you mentioned, Andy, is that you and Jamie, this God tore your hearts open for this as young people. Like you're in your early 20s. Jessica, who's going to be on the show on Friday, she went in her early 20s. Um, to uh, around the world. David, he tells a story that he was in college, you know, and so we see God working um, in the lives of so many young people. Can you give me some thoughts on how you feel about like the young people today and what is God doing and how is he using them around the world? Yeah. Yeah. I I think no matter what the generation, it's easy to be a Debbie Downer. So if Mm. you've, if you've been around for a while, it's like, whether you're you know, and, and most people don't call themselves by their generational name, right? Yeah. So uh, millennials have kind of started to embrace that they're millennials. Gen Zers are like, what are you talking about? And then the, the one below them, whatever they're called, they're like, that doesn't, you know, it's only the older people that. And so a lot of times what we tend to do is we tend to pick out the things that they don't do well, mm-hmm. rather than asking the questions of how has God uniquely gifted them to step into. And so I would say, you know, there, there are a lot of not great things about this little sucker. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the great things is, is the connectedness uh, and the global, to some extent, the global intelligence that, that people that are under the age of 25 have because of YouTube. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I've, I've heard um, multiple people sources say that a, that a 16 year old in India and a 16 year old in the United States, that those those two 16 year olds have more in common with each other than they do with their grandparents. Isn't that crazy? And, and so one of the benefits of that yeah. is that you can step into any part of the world. And and literally this happened with our kids. We lived in Lebanon for six months and they, they were making friends and they're talking about the same shows on Netflix, you know, and, and right. so. 
it's just like, what the heck? How, how do you guys are connecting? You barely speak each other's languages, but because of this little devil right here, yeah, the it, iPhone, yeah, it's you're you're right in it, and and so I, I think that's one. I think the emotional intelligence that uh, the the whether you want to call it millennials or under kind of have mm-hmm. to be uh, very aware of what's happening rather than being what Americans typically get labeled for, which is going in. I'm the best. I have all the answers. I'm kind of the savior. We we have to literally, Jamie, a part of what we do with people as we get them ready to go overseas is deconstruct a lot Mm. of that Americanism. And I would say a lot of the folks that are coming into our training groups now, they realize they're a part of a bigger world, that their view is not the only way to see the world. They value greatly and want to Mm. learn about other people's views and why they're important. And so that's a lot, in a lot of ways, a way easier place to start uh, when you're wanting to talk about things that matter for life, like the gospel. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that before, but that is so true of being way more um, able to step in and be like, oh, we don't have all the answers, you know, as in maybe, maybe our generation or previous generations have. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. Okay, you talked about how you get people ready to go. So let's talk about Launch Global, okay? Throw me into this, and I want to be really upfront and honest here and say that, like, I know that you do Launch Global, and I know that you work at the Stone. I don't know how they go together or what that means, okay? So I just know the Campmans as the Campmans, and they have Launch Global, but also there's a Stone. So you educate me as well. Yeah. yeah. I think um, uh, that for a long time that was intentional. So, you know, the fact that I'll get up twice a year to preach to our church and people are like, there's one of our pastors uh, and they have no idea what Launch Global is. We actually love that because we have this huge conviction, both personally and as a part of Launch Global, that the local church needs to own the Great Commission. 
Mm. And I and and that doesn't mean that he can't work through parachurch groups like Launch Global or Frontiers or Pioneers or Crew or any of these other great organizations that are out there. He can, but but a lot of times what happens is the local church is just like, well, other people are doing missions, we'll let them do that. And mm. I and I would just say I don't I don't see that in the Bible, and I just don't feel like that's. And so one of the things I love about our church is that we love the nations and the mm. unreached particularly. Mm-hmm. And so, um, uh, and so launch global, uh, what we do is we, um, look to come alongside local churches that already have a vision to send their people long-term. Mm-hmm. So if you're like, let's say you're, you're a, a, a rockin' 20 something church, lots of college students. But when you think about missions, you usually think about like downtown mm-hmm. or, you know, the, the bat, whatever the, the low side income of the tracks. Uh-huh. Yeah, that, that, you know, all those stereotypes. Um, and, and that's fine. That's great. But I would say, biblically, that's more of a Petrine kind of mission, where you're doing work and mission where the church already exists. Mm-hmm. What God has given us personally and Launch Global for sure is more of a Pauline type mission. And I'm talking about Romans 15, where he says, I want to go where there's no foundation. Where, where people don't have any access to the gospel. Mm-hmm. And then he quotes Isaiah 52 and he says, those who have never heard. And so when we think about Launch Global, we are unashamedly about the unreached peoples, those that don't have access. And I know probably um, the other guests that you have had have, yeah. have unpacked that. And again, mm-hmm. resources down at the bottom where people can click on and just learn what are unreached people groups mm-hmm. and, and how does that work? We've even got some kids links down there, some things families can do. But, but back to Launch Global. So what Launch Global does is, you know, Jesus made it really clear the, in Luke 10 too, the harvest is plentiful, mm-hmm. the labors are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to raise up labors for his harvest field. And so the, 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 the problem is not the harvest. So oftentimes when we think of places like Afghanistan or, um, uh, you know, Japan mm-hmm. or wherever, we're like India, we're like, oh, it's just, they just don't want to know about Jesus. And, mm-hmm. and Jamie just like you, I've been around the world and there's not a country I've been in. Uh, two weeks ago for spring break, our, we took our whole family and six young adults with us uh, to Japan and uh, we got to see two people come to Christ. Mm. Uh, and, and, and it's God's doing it. It's not because we're so mm-hmm. great, but it's because there's a harvest everywhere. But there's a problem and, and it's not with the people that are hearing the message. It's with the people that are speaking the message and trying to make disciples. Mm-hmm. And there's not enough of them. And so Jesus tells us the first thing we need to do is earnestly pray and, and, and like own prayer, not just kind of like a token prayer, you know, during the missions conference mm-hmm. once a year, but like really own prayer for the unreached. And then the, what, what are we supposed to pray for? We're supposed to pray for labors. And what Jesus means by that is people that know the gospel, that go and move in like he did to earth and incarnate with that people, learn their language come alongside them, proclaim the gospel, see the harvest, come to know him, teach them to then do the same thing. And eventually after they've planted local churches and passed off leadership and taught them how to multiply, then, then they can go home. And that, Mm. that, that might take five years, seven years, 15 years. We're not, those are uncontrollables. Mm -hmm. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to recruit people to say, would you start the process to see if God might be tapping you on the shoulder to go long-term? Mm-hmm. And and so maybe I'll stop there and let you. Ask. Well, the, my question for you is like, you you said you're trying to recruit people. If someone's just listening, like you would want them to do this through their local church, wouldn't you? Or would do they go straight to Launch Global? 
Yes. And so the, the answer is yes. Now we're not in every local church, but we're in about 20, 25 of them across the country. We're in 14 different countries, or I'm sorry, 14 different cities across uh-huh. the U.S. Uh, our website's at the bottom. You can click on there. And, and I would say, man, what we're not wanting to do is completely pull you out of your local church. Mm-hmm. Like if you're living in, we don't have anybody in South Dakota, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do have somebody in St. Louis and in Lincoln, right? There you go. Um, and and so maybe maybe you go for nine months and get some training. What I would say, what I would really encourage people to do is not just hear these things, get convicted, listen to like four plat sermons, cry your eyes out, and say I'm getting on a plane. Mm. Now I would say that's great faith. That's not a great plan. And I think one of the things, you know, I remember one of our pastors here saying in the book of Nehemiah, you should both pray and plan. And so, you know, no different than in any other area of life, man, I, if I'm, I, if I'm going to do something like become a doctor or a construction worker, I should learn from somebody, do those things with some kind of mentor and then go out on my own. Right. And so, um, and so what we try to do is we take people that are raising their hands, thinking about going to the nations, not sure. And we really discern with them, with their local church, is this the right time? And so they literally move into our neighborhood. Our neighborhood's filled with internationals and we live pretty similar to how a team would live overseas. So we're praying four or five times a, a, a week, not not a month, but a week. So we're seeing a lot, these guys a lot, right? We're sharing the gospel. We're starting uh, Bible studies, discovery Bible studies. We're seeing people get um, come to Christ. We're baptizing them. We're teaching them to do the same thing. And so some of the very things that they would do over there, we're like, let's do them here, see how it works. And then what we might realize is, man, there's some character things or there's some um, um, identity things or some purity things. We got to work through these things before you just jump overseas. Mm. And so we're not saying don't go. We're just saying, you're a yellow light right now. Let's get, Let's get this worked out. And then we'll have a better shot at you actually doing the thing you feel like God's calling mm. you to do. Andy, I'd love it if you would share a story or two with us of something that you've heard recently about um, pe- people becoming believers in a country where there's persecution or they're not able to. I'd love to hear a story or two from you. Yeah. Um, I think about our friend, Caleb, I'm changing his name. He's sent out from our church, uh, lives in the Middle East. I'll just kind of give you the region of the world. And, and he's been there for, oh man, uh, seven years, knows Arabic, you know, has done, put in the time to learn Arabic. We love making sure our people know the language because it's one of the best ways to learn the culture. Um, and, and there's a country next door that's not easy to live into, live in. You can get in there real easy, but it's not easy to, to live there. It's not necessarily easy to be a believer there. And uh, there's this guy named, again, I'm changing these names, but a a Muslim guy from this other country, and we'll call him Vinny, right? Um, Remember that old um, show, My Cousin Vinny? Um, And and Vinny, uh, God gives Vinny a dream. Uh, Vinny uh, uh, starts looking online. There's some Arabic resources. He says, man, I need to become a follower of Christ, decides to follow Christ, but doesn't know what it means. He's like, that's what I want to do. I want to put my faith and trust in Jesus. I can't make myself honorable or right before God. Jesus, his death and resurrection are the only way to make that happen. That's what I believe. And he found this, like he had a dream of Jesus. He he has a dream of Jesus. Uh, Jesus uh, gives, speaks some words to him. uh, And then, and then he looks stuff up on the internet. He looks up what he, and then 
finds a yes. you know website. Then Vinny tells his friend. His friend starts following Jesus. Now here's the catch: Vinny's dad works for the secret police uh, in their country, and so Vinny goes to his dad, says, "Dad, guess what? Here's this great you know we." called Jesus Isa. Here's the great news about Isa. And, and his dad's like, you've been brainwashed. You will renounce this or you will be kicked out of your family and you will go to prison and I will put you there. Mm-hmm. Long story short, Vinny doesn't re- recant. His dad puts him in prison, has his own son tortured. Somehow Vinny um, uh, survives in prison. Uh, one of his family members is at a party. Um, hears his dad say to another secret police guy, I'm going to have to kill my son if he doesn't turn back to Islam. And, and so the, the, this, this family member goes to Vinny, frees him and says, I don't know what you believe. I don't know if it's worth dying for, but I don't want you to die. Freeze Vinny. Vinny and his friend escape to where the country where Caleb lives, our worker. That's where Caleb meets them. Caleb starts to do some training with them, help them understand what it means to, to follow Jesus. And then, and then um, the, while they're in this other country, the, somebody else meets them and says, hey, you can get free passage to Canada. My church will hire you. Vinny, your life's going to be great from here on out. You know, you don't have to worry about this persecution. And Vinny says, no, wow. the people in my town, the people of my family, they need to hear about Jesus. Me and my buddy, we're going back. And right now, Jamie, Vinny and his buddy, They live two weeks at a time in different places across this country, literally risking their lives. There's there's bounties out on their heads and they're risking their lives for the sake of the gospel so that their friends and family and the people from their precious country that Jesus bought would come to know him. And, and our, our, the guy that we sent, Caleb, he's just getting to coach these guys. He's popping into the, 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 that country sometimes coaching them, encouraging them, helping them move forward, helping them understand what to do with, as they're starting to see people say yes to Jesus. And it's just like, how do we get to be a part of this? But Mm. this is like, this is real life. Mm. Um, This is what life is about, you know? Mm. You know, you said that you, and you took your family to Lebanon, um, for six months. And, um, I think a lot of people who are listening, like we've been talking a lot about like, like Caleb who's there and other people who feel the call to potentially go. And a lot of people would say, well, I kind of missed that boat because like I'm Mm -hmm. married now. And, um, it'd be really great if I would have done something in my twenties, you know, and although you and Jamie live in Austin, Texas, even the fact that you picked up your family for six months and went and lived in Lebanon would feel quite scary for some people. And so can you talk a little bit about that person who's listening? That's like, I have been hearing what I think is God calling our family to something. And the husband and wife are like, we agree on this, but how do we do this with the family? What does that look like? How do you, how do you talk to people like that? And even you and Jamie living in Lebanon for six months with your family. Yeah, no, that's a great question. Uh, first of all, I'll brag on our church. And and, and again, I, it's, it's not the Austin Stone. It's not Launch Global. It's not me or our team. It's just, you know, uh, Psalm 127 says, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders build in vain. And and we jumped onto a moving train. The Spirit of God was a, a, alive and well when we got here 12 years ago. And we just got to jump on and be a part of that. But over, Jamie, over the last uh, about 14, 15 years, the stone has has the Austin Stone, our church, has sent uh, about 270 plus people long term to the, the unreached uh, to live there. 
That makes me so, like, I too, I always am like, want to be so proud of our church. And I just really, really am. We just prayed over a girl downtown like two weeks ago, a single girl who's heading to uh, Southeast Asia. And I just like, every time I just can't even handle it. Okay. Interrupted you carry on, but I too am proud. So, you know, about, about, about half of those folks are still overseas, a little over half of those folks are still overseas. Now here's the great news about 40% of all those people that we've sent, right? The, The matter doesn't, the, the number doesn't matter, but 40% of the people that we've sent are young families, 40%. They got little people. Um, mm-hmm. And some of them, there, there are a few folks that we've sent that have even brought high schoolers. That's not the majority, mm-hmm. but we've got a lot of folks in their thirties that have said, you know what? And, and the passage I always love to preach out of is, is Acts 12, or I'm sorry, uh, Genesis 12, one through four. And it's where God says to Abram and Sarah, Hey, you're my chosen instruments and through you, I'm going to bless you and make your name great. And through you and your offspring, all the peoples or all the families of the earth will be blessed. And you talk about the guy that had the couple that had the wrong stuff, right? Right. Not big family. She, they haven't been able, you know, they're way past Mm -hmm. the childbearing years. And I think one of the things that God loves to tell his people, and that it's probably one of my favorite parts of mobilization is none of us is stuck. Mm. None of us is stuck. I was literally having a conversation with a guy this Sunday right out here in the lobby and and just saying, man, now you've got kind of, it seems like the, the family train has pulled into the station. You got three kids. You've kind of started to figure that out. Have you ever thought about going to the nations? And, and, and that's how it starts. And I, I just think um, you won't get all your answers. You won't have all your um, questions answered. Um, and at the end of the day, it just takes taking steps forward to see if God would open that door. Mm-hmm. But then knowing, not, I mean, you and I, our families both have adopted, right, mm-hmm. man? And it, there are bumps along the way, <laughs> both at the beginning of the process and in the process, right? Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean we were not called to that or right. supposed to do that. Mm-hmm. And w- as you start heading to the nations, or at least seeing as God leading you in that direction, you need to know that it's not just going to be, you know, every door flies open. Mm-hmm. There will be bumps along the way. If there weren't, there would be more people over there. Yeah. Um, but here's again, what I would encourage you is don't just go get, whether it's through Launch Global or somebody else, get some training mm-hmm. before you go so that the things that you're asking God to see there, like making disciples, being on a church planning team, that you get to experience those here Mm -hmm. and you can see, man, here's the parts that like, for me, I love starting conversations, right? There's, I've never met a stranger. I can get anybody in Austin's phone number like that. (laughs) I suck at the follow-up, right? Uh I got a pile of phone numbers from different people I've met all over Austin Uh and I'm terrible at following up. And so to know that about me before we go to a team, it's like, man, if you need a people gatherer, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm your guy. You know, yeah. if you need somebody to follow up, I'm not your guy. And so starting to figure out how your gifts and abilities work and would work on a team are the very things that we start to do here. And then I'll, I'll just say real quick, the one last piece on this one is at the center of it, it is not about gifting. Um, it is not about um, your wiring, introvert, extrovert, Enneagram number, Myers-Briggs, whatever your thing is. God is really just looking for willing people that know what it means to connect with him. Uh, and that will often, when met with obstacles, come and say, God, I can't do this. I mm-hmm. surrender and I receive from you everything that I need in this moment. Would you give me the grace to finish this day? 
And, and that's, that's the hundreds that we've mm. sent. Most of these people, just like you look at the stories in the Bible, right? You got Moses, David, you know, Mary Magdalene, Peter. Most of these folks are not who we probably would have picked right. to shape the story of the Bible. And yet that's who he loves to use. Mm. And, and so I just encourage folks that are, you know, have several kids in tow in their thirties. And they're like, man, that it's a bummer. That ship has sailed. I guess I'll do this kind of B-rate job of praying and giving. First of all, it's not B-rate. Um, and second of all, it's never too late. Mm. Um, and we've even sent uh, folks that are empty nesters in their early 60s to North Africa. And, uh, and, so, and, and so at any moment, if God really is God of our lives, then we have to say, here's our lives, have your way. You know, I think one of the things people are listening, and even if you don't feel the sense of God calling uh, your family, there is this real um tension and this is not a surprise to you we all feel it we're all trying to figure it out of how do we live i think i talked to da- about with about david on the show too about how do we live here in america mm. where it is so flipping demanding <laughs> there's so many opportunities for things and stuff and opportunities and air quotes uh for our families for our kids and i'm sitting here going yeah, this is hard. And so how do you encourage families to really create this narrative within their families of like what matters to God? And a, it could mean going, like you said, it could also mean like, like there's a lot of internationals in wherever city you live in, I would guarantee. I mean, you know, and so you're going to meet people in your city, if you if you try to, so just talk to us a little bit about families and how do we give our kids this mindset, this worldview that's bigger than what's happening at their school or or the Taylor Swift concert. All these things are great. I wish I had Taylor Swift tickets. I didn't go. I'm not even that big of a fan. But from what I've seen online, I feel like I missed out on something. Um, yeah. But anyhow. Um, yeah. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, yeah, help us no, with that no, a little bit. Great. So, so two, a couple things. Number one, there's a resource down below. It's called Weave, uh, Weave or WeaveFamilies.org. The link is right down below, and it is th- their mi- full time ministry is how to to answer your question. How oh, do I we love that? Family, how do we as a family begin to engage? And we've got little ways and radical ways. Right. And so some little ways are, um, you know, uh, one of the, the links down below is, you know, if you type in 1040 window into YouTube or 1040 window for kids, st- there are plenty of videos, some good, some not so good. But there is a plethora of resources. And if you just for the next month watched after dinner time, uh, have dinner together. That's the first thing I'd encourage mm-hmm. you. There you go. Yeah. Um, is, but after dinner, every every day for the next 30 days, you begin to just type into YouTube 1040 window for kids and watch a video together. And then you pray after you watch the video. That's a start. Mm-hmm. And and those rabbit holes, whether you go down the radical one about nations and neighborhoods or, you know, there's so many resources out there, mm-hmm. the Weave website, um, uh, you know, and, and start to integrate it into uh, the regular rhythms of your family. Mm-hmm. And so what I would encourage families is, man, we we can if we can coordinate three different sporting event schedules within one semester, which is asinine at best, <laughs> right? Um, it's, it's, redonk- it's ridiculous yep. uh-huh. uh, how sports kids 
rule our lives. And our kids are in sports. I'm not saying they shouldn't be. I'm not saying become Amish, nothing against the Amish, right? But like, I'm what the I am Amish saying. Amish are onto is, something, I just want to they, say. They got There's some that. things figured yeah. out, you know? But what I am saying is, can we be as intentional? in the space of the nations and God's heart for the nations with our families. And at the very least, find a, a, a video a day uh, uh, and then and then start to do some Bible studies. On that Weave website, there's Bible studies for families about how to learn about God's heart for the world because right now people are like, man, it sounds kind of exciting. Uh, and what we want to do is take it from excitement and something that they feel like they should do to biblical conviction, Holy Spirit, like mm-hmm. this is God's passion. Yeah. And, and with that passion gets lodged in them deeply, mm-hmm. then then it will begin to affect their money, their time, their travel. And then I, I would say, here's a couple more real quick ones, where you eat and where you travel, right? So we, we just had spring break. Everybody's got choices. And I know, I know not everybody can pick up their family and go to Japan with six folks. And people are like, oh, that's because you have teenagers and your youngest is 11. No, sorry. Like when, I will. When, I have seen Andy and Jamie pack. And Andy travels with a backpack. I just want to let you know. That is like and, one thing I remember. <laughs> and so when our when the twins, the twins had their third birthday uh, in Jordan, right? And Anna turned three months old in Jordan. Uh, we had eight college students with us and we're in the country of Jordan uh, talking to people about Jesus and trying to figure out, was it complicated because we had littles? Yes. But guess what? They got littles everywhere in the world mm-hmm. and it makes you really safe. And so I would say, man, when you think about your family's travel plans, spring break, Christmas break, summer, think about getting outside the United States um, and, and expose your family to the way the rest of the world lives. The other one that I'll say real quick is where we eat. Now, I love P. Terry's. That's a hamburger joint in, here in Austin for those people outside of Austin. I love P. Terry's. I love, you know, I got a list of places. I'm, I, you know, I literally texted your husband the other day, where's, where's best tacos downtown, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so, um, we love eating good food. We love eating good Texas food, but man, if you live in a city that has more than, you know, 5,000 people, there are ethnic options in your city. And one of the ways that you can begin to bring the nations into your family is when you go out to eat, which most of us do, uh, and if you don't want to go out to eat, then figure out how to cook it at home. There's plenty of YouTube videos and you begin to bring the nations into and then and then you're around people because typically the folks that work in those restaurants mm-hmm. are from there. And then you are intentional to just say, hey, my name's Andy. What's your name? Um, and then I always ask, hey, did you grow up here? I start here. I don't just mm-hmm. assume that just because I'm in a Chinese restaurant, you grew up in China because mm-hmm. they, they might be from Houston. Right. Yep. So I say, hey, did you grow up here? No. Oh, where did you grow up? And now all of a sudden and then become a regular there. And then have them into your house. It's not, it might be weird for you. It's not weird for them. Yeah. Um, and they will, because every country I've been in, it, within within 24 hours of landing in that country, I have been invited into people's homes. And, and I'm a complete stranger. And that's just the way the world operates. And so the taking advantage of the fact that we have internationals around us is an easy way to begin to engage in what God's doing. It's so, so true, so true. And um, you get good food along the way as well and get to know names. I travel a lot. And so for me, I want to get in an Uber and just like sit and do nothing or be on my phone or whatever. And I have a friend, her name's Bree. She runs an organization called Women of Welcome and they really help 
um, educate women, especially evangelical women about um, God's heart for the immigrant. And so she Mm -hmm. always is encouraging people ask your Uber driver what their name is. And for me, it's not that I don't want to talk to people. It just, I have always used that space as like, I don't want to talk to anybody. And I have had some really great conversations, even about faith for 25 minutes in the car. And that's not a long-term relationship that I'm developing, but it is getting me a little bit out of my box of hearing like, oh, so why did you come here from Jordan or wherever it might be? And so um, really great things. Andy, I want to ask you one more question. And I kind of asked Jess about this on the show that comes out on Friday is, you know, we've talked about a lot of young people and um, there is this hesitancy that people might feel feel about heading overseas, whether it is um, preconceived ideas, whether it is media that is given the ideas that this is very, very unsafe to become a quote unquote missionary and to go into unreached people groups. And I think I, we wouldn't want to give the illusion that there isn't some danger to it. Like, I, I don't think that you're going to say that. I don't think I would say that. I think that that would be like, that is a true statement. Yeah. What does it look like for you as you're leading people to get ready to really face the reality of that? And um, yeah, I want to hear from you yeah. about that. Yeah. I think about two different Psalms. One is 139. And then the other one, I I don't remember the address, but it's a, so 139 is all about how he shaped us, knows us in our mother's womb, right? The other one is, uh, and this is going to unveil some of my my theology here, which I'm not the theological captain, but I just, I, that talks about beautiful in the, the eyes of the Lord is the death of his saints, right? Mm-hmm. So just Google that. You can find out where it is in the Psalms. And, and to me, that means my starting point and my ending point are determined. And between those two, if we really believe that, between those two points, we are like Iron Man, you know, um, before we knew he was going to die, you know? And, know. And, and, and you are, we are invincible in the kingdom of God because he's decided my beginning and my end. Mm-hmm. And so if, if we can really biblically understand that God is absolutely sovereign over all the situations of my life, and, 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 and that means I can walk in fearlessly to Pakistan, Bangladesh, you know, you name it, India, Afghanistan, Yemen. Now, it, it, it doesn't, I don't think, mean we should be foolish, right? Sure. Um, mm-hmm. but, but it also means we can take way greater risks than, than what we have capacity for. Mm. And so I think what I'll, what I'll, but where I really want to focus is back to good old John 15, um, is because the, the, the amount or Matthew 13, 44, where it says the man, um, found the treasure hidden in the field, mm-hmm. he covers it up. And then in his joy, he sells everything that he has and he buys that field. And I feel like as the treasure of Jesus increases in our life, then no risk is, 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 is not worth it. We'll take every risk because the treasure is that, um, and it's not different than, you know, you think about back to when we were engaged, right? Like, um, when, when I was engaged to my wife, I would make an hour and one way, uh, we, uh, we didn't live in the same city is an hour and 20 minutes to get up to her house from door to door and then an hour and 20 minutes back. And, and I remember looking at my watch and being like, Hey, it's uh, it's ten o'clock. I could be there by eleven twenty. We could spend a couple hours together. I could be back in the office by nine. Right. I'm, I'm in my little Honda Civic going up the road mm-hmm. because why? Because I treasured her. Mm-hmm. And and it's like, are you aren't you afraid you're gonna you're gonna get sleepy? I'm like. No, because the treasure mm-hmm. of being with her. And, and so I think um, there are 
there are risks, like you said, some of these countries, the countries I was talking about with Caleb, uh, to go into that second country where Vinny's from, it is risky right now. And we need more people, no matter what their age, uh, especially um, families with kids, Mm -hmm. which is a big ask. Mm -hmm. But like, think about growing up in a society where, or a, a family culture where your the family narrative for you isn't shaped by um, uh, what culture says or what's happening, you know, for um, uh, what's her face singing up in Dallas. Taylor. You know, and, uh, Taylor, and which is great. Listen to Taylor. Uh, bring Taylor with you when you go to the Middle East, you know. Um, but at the end of the day, it's shaped by Jesus is our ultimate treasure and therefore all things are worth it because he's that valuable. And I think at the end of the day, that it might sound Sunday school, but that's the motivator for mm-hmm. stepping onto these airplanes or bringing our family to Lebanon. And then know ahead of time, when you get there, you will question. I guarantee it. And the reason I know that is because the first three weeks we were in Lebanon, it was hell, Jamie. Mm-hmm. Like everybody in our family was crying, saying, Daddy, we should go home. Right. Five days after we got there is a lockdown. And so we're not even sure if we're supposed to go out or mm-hmm. and we're like, what are we doing in Lebanon? And 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 Jamie and I aren't necessarily on the same. And we're it's mm-hmm. intense. Mm-hmm. And so I want to tell you ahead of time that when you go, you will have doubts. And yet it's in those times that that the Lord is so near. Like I think about how much I prayed for my family, my wife, myself, our courage. And it is one of the nearest to the Lord times that I've ever had in my life. And and in some ways, I almost long for those moments when we were so helpless uh, in in Beirut because I was so near to the Lord. Mm. And I'm just like, you just you, you can't get that when you have Amazon Prime and you, and you get everything at your doorstep in 24 hours or you're mad because it's late because of mm-hmm. whatever, you know? You know, sitting here on this side listening to you talk as I ask you the question about risk and, um, you know, it always hits a little bit different coming from our church because we lo- we've lost people on the field. And... um like I remember, I remember where I was when when a person from our a goer from our church was murdered um, in December of however many years ago. Nine and years ago. Nine. Will it be ten this year or nine? I, I think it'll be ten this coming year. Okay, I remember December fifth. I like remember it. I remember where I was. All the things, and knowing that if I if I say you know like our church has walked through a goer, not like dying from cancer. We've done that too. Um, not like having to come home because a child gets sick. We've done that too, but we've walked through a goer being murdered. Um, and so even knowing that it's sobering to think that, that you are still saying, and I'm still, and we're all still saying like, it's worth the call. Like it just, it's kind of mind blowing a little bit, Andy, if you think about it. And, And that's really what we're calling people to is whether it's the kind of ultimate sacrifice of putting their life on the line or man, the number of deaths that are required as a person goes overseas, the list is not small. And, and, and yet this is where we look at like John chapter 12, where Jesus says, unless a grain of wheat falls and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, 
it will bear much fruit. Mm -hmm. And so every one of those opportunities to step into death, suffering, loss, as people sell their possessions. And we see this, we've seen this hundreds of times, right? We're like professional movers because we're always moving people, you know, and then helping them get all of their personal goods. I just remember, what was that, four, three, uh, five, four months ago, uh, sending this uh, family to the Middle East with their four kids and they've got eight suitcases. It's everything they own. And it's so beautiful. And, and they didn't even know if their visa was going to last in their country. And I just, it was so fun to look in the eyes of that mom and dad and say, no matter what happens, if you guys are back in 60 days, when your tourist visa runs out, your kids are always, it's always going to be a part of your story that for, for the sake of Jesus and his name being enjoyed by people that don't have access to him, we moved all the way across the world and it mm. was worth it, even if we only lived there for 60 days. Mm. And I said, that's the kind of family story you want to have yeah. because that's the kind of Jesus that we all have. Mm. And so I just, man, that's where I would just encourage, you know, family, singles, whoever you are, whatever stage of life you're at to just start the process. You know, Jamie, with people jump into these training groups every year that we that we run and only about half the people end up actually going. Mm -hmm. We figure out with the other half and the Holy Spirit and our church and the churches that we work with, it's just not the right time and yeah. that's okay. Mm -hmm. And 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 yet, you, I think about our good friends Adam and Laura that live on the west side of Austin. They're still about the nations. They're still telling people about Jesus. He's still meeting internationals here in town. They're, they're doing a great job mm -hmm. of being about these things from right here. They're not mm -hmm. failures, right. right? They're not B-rate believers. Right. Uh, and, and so I just think no matter what it is, God wants all of us to enter fully into his, his passion. Well, Andy, thank you so much. And I'm like, again, like you've said, we're going to put so many, so many links for you guys in the show notes to, to help you out with this. And I'm grateful for what you and Jamie are doing um, with Launch Globally, like all over the world and specifically right here in my home church. I would love to hear, Andy, what are you reading these days? Yeah, I am more of a listener than a reader. Um, but uh, when it comes to, but everybody uses that expression, right? Yeah. So uh, I read uh, uh, somewhat recently uh, a book called Reading While Black with Esau McCauley, uh, blew my mind and even helped me understand a nation's piece, like two tribes. I'll just give the little preview. Two tribes of the 12 tribes of Israel are half African. Go check out Joseph and who he married and then and then what his dad said, Jacob said about those two sons and you'll, your mind will be blown like mine. So there are a lot of great things in that book. I love Esau Macaulay so much. Uh, I would give anything to be a student of his and sit under his teaching. Um, and I highly encourage people to read that book as well. Yeah. It is so, so good. Jamie, let me give you one more. Uh, the the spiritual, um, uh, Anna and I, it's, um, sorry, it is Hudson Taylor's Spiritual Secret. Okay. Hudson Taylor's Spiritual Secret. And I, I, I think one of the best thing about it's kind of, he's a missionary to China, uh -huh. uh, and but it's really less about China uh, and being a missionary and more about what is, you know, when we talk about this John 15 abiding, what does mm -hmm. that actually mean? What does it look like? And a lot of times we say, man, I want to abide or we hear that, but we don't know what the heck it means. He does a great job of unpacking what it means to abide and what are the practical ways that we can abide. And then he does it in the context of his life in China. And it's the Hudson Taylor Spiritual Secret. Amazing book. Adding it to the list. I love it so much. Andy Kampman, thank you so very much for coming on the happy hour. Thanks, Jamie. 
Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey is a production of Ivy Media Podcast. Executive produced by Jamie Ivey, produced by Lindsay Sweeney, edited by Angie Elkins. Show notes by Nikki Ogden. Art by Jen Jet Barrett. Original music by Matt Graham. And I'm your host, Jamie. Have a happy hour with a friend. <laughs>